0: Check, check.
1: Welcome to Perform Humans, the evidence-based approach to human performance optimization, cultivated from the perspective that every human is a performer. The platform presents pre-prepared to perform the podcast created to explore the inner workings of high-profile performers. Buckle up. Conversations reveal what separates them from the average human. What makes us human? Former Team Canada and World Tour snowboarder turned CrossFit athlete, content creator, and lifelong entrepreneur. Coming through like an avalanche, she references athletics, mindset, fitness, gender equity, body image, wellness, and more. Please welcome Natalie Allport to Preform. I'm just going to dive right into it. I know you get a lot going on as far as various platforms, podcast hosts, athlete side, coaching side, like you're doing, you're doing a lot of stuff, but everyone likes an origin story. So let's go back to where this thing started for you. I know you've got some background in various extreme sports, which ultimately led you to professional snowboarding, but what else was the impetus towards becoming a coach, becoming an influencer, becoming a thought leader? How did this all begin for you?
0: Yeah, so kind of like the, I guess, quick notes is um, I was born in Vancouver. So you would think, okay, you're, that makes sense that you became a snowboarder, but we only lived there till I was about five years old. We did two years in New Jersey um, with my dad's work. So if people don't know that, that I uh, actually spent two years in the States. Um, it's kind of like a hiatus from all our winter sports because then all <laughs> of a sudden, uh, you know, we were thrust into American culture. I think I played tennis and soccer and swimming and those kind of things. but then we, we came back to Canada and that's when I like went full swing into hockey. So hockey was my main sport growing up. I was always like, I had ADHD. I was like high energy. You know, my, my parents were like sports from, from day one. Um, and so hockey was kind of where like I found my place. And so I used to like sleep with my hockey stick. I would dream mm-hmm. of being on the national women's team. I was looking the other day at pictures I had of my old bedroom and like I had, you know, autographed pictures of the Canadian uh, women's national team up. Like they were my, my whole motivation. Um, but then somehow along the way, like I had found skateboarding, I, I kind of liked it. I would skateboard to school. I was that girl who was like skateboarding to school with a basketball also under her arm and like a baseball <laughs> glove in my backpack. Like I, I did every single sport that my school offered. That was really, you know, just how I found my creativity was through expressing myself through sports. Um, and then, Uh, ultimately I finally kind of switched to snowboarding. I saw all the kids at my school were snowboarding. I thought it would be cool. Traded in the rental skis one day for a snowboard and then kind of never looked back. I I had to decide between do I continue high level hockey or do I snowboard? I tried a year of trying to do both. Um, high level hockey is basically, you know, you're like every day, so it's really hard during the winter to get out on on the snowboard. Something just clicked with it, and I was really bad at it. Like it, uh, most sports came naturally, but that sport didn't. So no one around me understood why I chose it. But there was something like in my head that, like when I was daydreaming in class, I was picturing myself on the mountain. Like that's just where I kept going back to, and I just love the creativity of it and how it was kind of just less structure than and other sports not to say that I don't like that I actually do kind of now I've gravitated back towards liking that structure and that whole you know hard work pays off mentality but there was that artistic freedom in in snowboarding then and so made the switch over basically started dedicating everything to starting to compete Um, starting to do different competitions and so on. And then at 17, I ended up on to the junior national team and spent four years trying to make the Olympics, doing World Cups, um, traveling all around that whole scene. Unfortunately, lots of injuries along the way, um, lots of life learning along the way. It's definitely, you know, a huge period of time where my brain's developing learning what i like what i don't like all these different things and so ultimately i ended up leaving the sport in 2015 after falling just short of the olympics in 2014. um 2018 was really that that trajectory for me but um ended up you know walking away i dove head into crossfit which is what i do now which has had its highs and lows as well which i'm sure we could dive into and then over the pandemic started sharing more of my story um my mental health as an athlete You know, my experience as a woman in sport, all these various things, and grew my platform like on TikTok and Instagram and all those various platforms, which has kind of allowed me to be an athlete and content creator and on the comeback after a a shoulder injury pre pandemic now uh, to get back into competition for CrossFit.
1: You touched on creativity and how that has been such an important piece to this whole story and the challenges of constantly evolving and knowing that as humans, we're always becoming we're always unfolding. The journey is the process. It's not necessarily the destination. Let's touch on this notion of transitioning through sport and how those transitions affect what's going on between the ears. Because you mentioned mental health and we know that's a hot topic right now. But aside from the stigma associated with mental health, how has transitioning from sport that is typically very physical in nature, especially the sports that you've been a part of, affects the mind. And then how does your mind then reintegrate to affect your body and then pulling that creativity together to provide information for the youth, for other people that may look like you or may not look like you? What has that process been like?
0: Yeah. So what like in 20, I guess, 2015, when I decided to step away from snowboarding, it was really rough and i had absolutely like no mental health resources of trying to figure out you know what was going on why was i feeling like this um and so i ultimately i was like okay leaving the sport is going to improve my mental health was the mentality at that time and then the minute i made that decision it was like who am i now right like i identified entirely around being a snowboarder around having that olympic goal around being part of the national team that's how you know the kids at my school who made fun of me that's like that's the identity i latched on to like when they told me i couldn't become a pro snowboarder i wouldn't get sponsored i wouldn't make it like all of a sudden i i was doing that and i was Going towards that goal, and I was there. And then I gave it up, and I was like, Who am I now? Like, this is entirely attached to this. And so, my depression, anxiety, it got worse. Um, I went to my doctor, ended up going, starting to go to therapy, which was super helpful. And some of the things that we did there, one of the first exercises I did with my therapist was write a letter to snowboarding. And so, many, many times, I felt like I was blaming snowboarding. Like, I had that not regret, but the the word is, is passing me, but I, I just really like kind of blamed snowboarding for those, the mental health issues that I was going through. Um, and I realized, like over time, like now I've totally fallen in love with it again. And now I can just do it for fun, which is so important. And that was part of it was that I, at that time, I didn't think I could do anything for fun. It was like, mm-hmm. this has to be my whole life. And if you've seen movies like the weight of gold or things like that, that was entirely my mindset was like, I will be happy when I win this gold medal. And now I've gone back and realized <laughs> if that happened to me, I think I would have been even more, you all know, right. depressed and anxious because all of a sudden I would have been thrust further into this external success without having uh, assessed the. internal. Mm. And so I had to really unpack a lot of things. And then when it comes to the, the mind body connection, I was realizing like, all of a sudden I was getting into like kind of arguments with my friends. I was just feeling very reactive. Like I had no like emotional agility. I was all over the place. And when I talked with my therapist about this, he was like, Well, think about what you've been doing for the last, you know, six years of your life. Every single day, you've been in a high adrenaline state where you can get, you know, you could die snowboarding. You could Mm -hmm. hit your head there. You're completely in this action sport where you're forced to be in the present moment, but you're also at you know, super high cortisol, super high adrenaline. Mm -hmm. So of course you're looking for that same release. So through, you know, your friend bailed on you and you think it's like this whole big deal when it was really just a small thing is your, your brain and your body craving that homeostasis of that high adrenaline state where you're fighting something, where you're, you're confronting these, these hard things. And so I really had to work through that and, and do different practices, you know, mentally, physically to try to overcome that and realize like, maybe I have this addiction to this adrenaline and all these various things, which I, I don't think is necessarily bad. I still love action sports, I love adventure. I love, you know, conquering that fear, but it was, it was really interesting to learn that side of things and how it's all connected.
1: You've also done a Ted talk and it was an interesting Ted talk because it was remote it looked like you yeah. were at your own place of residence or literally somewhere. right
0: outside the on my porch yeah the door. on your
1: porch can you share with the listeners what that process was like because I think it's such a different stage you know that's out there right now even pre-pandemic and now as we move through this time period TEDx TED Talks in general have a different flair to it and people take them a little bit you know, differently as far as the digestion is concerned. So can you walk us through what that was like and what was your intention for that?
0: Yeah, much, much different process than, you know, creating my typical TikTok video. Um, it, yeah, don't creating, say. <laughs> yeah, it was both hard in the sense that it was longer but also in the sense that it was almost like not long enough like how do I condense this information into like 10 minutes um and how do I condense my whole story and especially because of you know the pandemic world that we were in um I had like a filmer lined up I wanted to do something really creative like where I was like climbing up a hill while talking you know with all these different shots panning back and forth and we had it all planned out and then the border closed between provinces um and my filmer couldn't come over or... <laughs> and the video was due and so it was really Dang. like okay I have to go outside I'm handling like some crazy allergies I was going through at the time because I think it was around like this time two was it a year ago or yeah I think a year ago and so I was like you know it was allergy season I was like I need to not sneeze throughout this video <laughs> um it was where where's the lighting best how am I gonna edit this how am I gonna cut this up and so it was a really difficult process of you know first condensing the information um, not having necessarily a strict theme. So sometimes when you go to a TED talk, there might be a very specific theme. So it might be like pivoting or uh, you know, motivation or tech enabled uh sports or you know, something very specific. And I find I do like to have some guidelines to kind of, you know, okay, let me tailor my story to this specific theme. However, you know, I just got reached out on LinkedIn from an organizer of the event who had listened to my podcast, and he said, all the things you talk about in, on your podcast. I was like, well, I have like 100 That's I a hundred episodes. talk a lot. About everything. <laughs> it's my whole story, right? And I feel like there's so many different points in my story and things I've gone through, whether I want to focus on athlete mental health and that whole crisis, or do I want to focus on growth mindset? Do I want to focus more on some of the things I've personally been through. Do I want to talk about being a woman in sport? There was, there's so many different topics that I enjoy speaking on. And so trying to, you know, how do I pull my story to touch on a little bit of all of them, but really focus on a theme that would be relevant throughout this pandemic. And so for me, that was kind of touching on a little bit of the athlete mental health, um, but also on growth of mindset and building a growth mindset. And so it, it kind of the story kind of focused on that whole process of similar to the weight of gold that I mentioned earlier of how I had had that growth mindset growing up. And then throughout my time in sport, I had put this huge pressure on myself where I was so results focused, um, that it was like, you know, I started falling out of love with the sport. I started going through mental health issues. I started comparison, comparing my results to others. Um, I stopped enjoying the process, I was so focused on, I need to make it to the Olympics and then I'll be happy. And then it was my whole process of over the last, you know, six years, I guess it had been since I retired, what I went through of unpacking that and rebuilding a growth mindset in the sports and the things that I'm involved in now and how I came back to find that and realized that not making the Olympics might've been one of the best things that happened to me because I know if I would have continued on that trajectory, I might not have learned those lessons that would have made me a happier, more fulfilled person in, in the long run. I would have, yeah, here, here's a gold medal or here's only beside my name, but in the end, is that worth, you know, your mental health, your happiness and all these things. And so I'm really grateful that I did end up being able to learn that lesson in my young twenties, rather than, much further on later in life. And it's kind of my goal to try to pass along some of those lessons that I wish I would have known. Or like when I was snowboarding, I had nobody who I saw talking about mental health as an athlete that I could look up to, or, you know, a female athlete talking about women and sports issues and things like that. And so that's where I've really started to find my voice across, you know, the TED talk, but also my TikTok and different platforms with sharing my story and seeing the reaction of, young female athletes and, and athletes of all ages who have resonated and it's helped. So that's really become my, my mission. And I was really stoked to, to get the opportunity to do a Ted talk and go through the struggles of, I think I talked about it in it of, you know, if this Ted talk fails and it, it doesn't reach that many people or, um, people don't like it, or people don't enjoy it, how even the growth mindset that I talked about in it, I've learned to just value that I, I put my effort into it. I, I gave my all to, to doing it throughout all the crazy circumstances that people didn't see that went on behind the scenes. And that's what I have to be proud of. So in the end, um, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm proud of is going through all that adversity to, to make it happen and put it out there in the world, at least.
1: Oh, it's incredible, Natalie. And to quote one of my former guests, Scott Garber, big shout out to him. He says, reach one, teach one. And you said, you know, if it doesn't reach a lot of people, maybe it's a fail but in his mind if you reach one person there's a ripple effect to that so i'm yeah. going to put you on the spot right now because the way i look at these platforms is they're vehicles and we can use them to traverse time and spaces and to get to people to connect people so you've got a microphone and you're on preform that's a vehicle what do you want to talk about today what do you want to get off maybe the chest or the mind or both to provide people with maybe a frame of thought or a perspective or something that you're working on behind the scenes
0: Becoming more process oriented and really honing into that. And that's something that I almost look at like my time competing and, and training in CrossFit as real time uh, execution of that and, and training of that in it right in the moment. Right. And so I spend a good, four or so hours a day training. And so having that's like four or so hours a day of mindset practice, um, I'm pushing myself to difficult, uh, difficult, uh, places like physically, but also mentally. For example, today I was, um, we were doing a light workouts an active recovery day. We were doing like 15 minute bike, 15 minute row, 15 minute run. It's pretty hot outside. So it was a little bit uh, tougher than we had first expected to try to keep our heart rates down. But when I got on the row, I was just thinking about how, you know, when it comes to physiology, there's different things I need to work on. I know as an athlete, I need to work on my cardiac output, um, doing a lot of base building of that cardio, you know, for some people, it might be that, you know, literally their legs need to become more powerful and more strong, or they need to build a certain type of muscle fiber to, you know, get a certain weight in, in the squat that's necessary for the sport or whatever it might be that's physiology. But when it comes down to, you know, I was just doing a light row and I was like, oh, this is uncomfortable. I want to stop that's mental, hundred percent mental. And so I realized how like in that moment, how important it is to, to train the mind and work on the mindset and actively be doing that. Because for example, when you're focused on the process and you show up at, let's say a competition and you fail a squat or you come last in the 5k run event or whatever it is, if, as long as you put in that work there, You can be proud, proud of yourself. And that's where I've gotten to when it comes to my training. But I was thinking, you know, mentally, what about the mental side, there's a lot of people who show up on game day, and they can't say the same about the the mental side of things. So when you break down between events or halfway through the workout, you just want to quit and then you end up actually quitting um, it's, it's about working on that day to day. And then, then you can show up on game day. And if you do reach a breaking point because of your physiology or you didn't eat enough or, you know, different things, right. You can go back and reflect that. And it's not going to reflect on you, but Um, and and it's going to just be like, Hey, I need to practice more and you you won't take it in as a failure. Like I'm going to quit. I'm never going to be good enough. So on and so forth. And so working through those thoughts in ahead of time can help you with that mental process of dealing with stressful and challenging situations. Um, so yeah, I always love talking about just focusing on the process when it comes to, you know, physical training, but also mental training.
1: Speaking of process, you've kind of given us this snapshot of Natalie Alport's life from the origin and being an athlete and then moving through athletics and then transitioning out of it and even to today you were doing some recovery today and you're still working through this process-oriented approach what does the future look like for you what do you have on tap for moving this thing forward what's the biggest aspiration inspiration what do you want to accomplish let's say between now and december 2022 to timestamp the episode
0: yeah, I am I'm working towards a goal I have with running and squatting. So, I want to just show people who have them, you know, the mentality like to run fast, I need to get smaller. Uh I mm. think that's a big mentality in sports, especially with women. I knew when I first started CrossFit, I was like to do more reps of the gymnastics movements, I need to get lighter. But that's not necessarily the case. You just need to get stronger, right? And I think it's a better mindset to have rather than focusing on that body image and and those things. And so, something that I always had in my head was I'm not a runner. Runner. But when I look back to my childhood, I was fast, even though I was very small as a child, I went through a late growth spurt, but I was keeping up on cross country races with much taller, um, people. I was, you know, a great sprinter. Um, so I had the, the athleticism and the ingredients there, but along the way I was like, oh, I'm built more for strength, power, this and that. And so within CrossFit, it's always kind of been my weakness is running. So last year I went to challenge that and I did a 30 day running challenge and and I started going to the track more and really starting to enjoy running more, which was entirely my goal. I said, for 30 days, I'm not going to focus on how far I run, my pace, nothing. I'm just going to try to learn to love running by, like, you know, when I'm feeling stressed and it's the end of the day, let me go run. And then all of a sudden I find this beautiful sunset and I stop and I take pictures. And so I really did change my mindset around that. And so now this year, I'm trying to kind of tell that in through storytelling and creating a video series around trying to accomplish this goal of running a sub six mile and squatting 300 pounds on the same day. So trying to kind of hit the extremes and, and push the limits in a sense of, Hey, you can, you know, be strong and also fast and, uh, do endurance type things, but also, be really strong and and muscular and that kind of thing. So challenging some boundaries and doing some storytelling also through my injury comeback um, to sport through that. And then I'm hoping to compete again next year. So it'll be like next winter season in CrossFit. Now that my shoulder just only like a month or two ago got the, you know, the go ahead to start resuming all those movements after a, a rough three years of daily rehab grind. So Ooh. um super excited about that. So hoping to return to the competition floor for that. And then yeah, building this video series out and trying to do some more vlogs, kind of doing the behind the scenes of my story and what I have going on right now.
1: I want to ask you two more questions before you have to run. First one is no assumptions made. Your audience, your target audience would be that female athlete. However, to remove that line and just look at it as a human, how many male audience members have you had come back and say, damn, Natalie, this is really great. And this has helped me through my process as well.
0: Yeah. I I mean a lot, actually. I'm really stoked about that. I think like on Instagram, my audience is, it's more, uh, more women, but for a while it was 50, 50 and now it's like 55, 45. So it's like a pretty organic split. TikTok's a lot different. I have a lot more female, female athletes. I think it's like 70, 30. But especially when I post about, you know, mindset and, um, discipline versus motivation and and things like that, where I'm going through, you know, those processes, I get a lot of comments from men and even dads who show it to their daughter as well and (laughs) things like that. And I I really enjoy that. And so I like, definitely I have that unique experience as a woman in sport and there's, um, things that female athletes go through and things to advocate for in that community that I like to speak to but I like I think my messages kind of resonate with who they who they're going to resonate with and that could be anybody like you said just just any human and even outside of sports um I really enjoy when you know some of the things reach people outside of sports I always say with my podcast is I think sports are an amazing vehicle to tell stories through to you know create tangible images in people's minds when we're talking about like mindset and training and things like that like it's very easy to give examples and people can visualize them but then you can take it to all sorts of your life whether that's you know you're building a business you're trying to be a great parent uh you're just trying to you know improve your own mindset whatever that is
1: so perfect segue two things you said human and the next thing you said your podcast for the listeners you invited me on your podcast, All In, and you asked me, "What does that mean to me?" And I said, "Be human." And this is the last question I want to leave you with: What does "be human" mean to you?
0: Mm, great question. I feel like it could be it could be taken deeply or uh, not so deeply. But um, to me, I like there's a statement I always like to say, which is something I learned since you know, going through processing what I talked about with, you know, my identity and snowboarding and that whole process is, you know, human being over human doing. Um, and so to me, being human is just it's being, you know, it's just simply being, and it doesn't mean you have to go out and accomplish these things and get a certain amount of followers or make a certain amount of money or, you know, whatever that is. It's great. If you have a message, you want to go out there and impact people, or if you have a business you want to start, or you have these different purposes or goals. But in the end, I think human being is simply it's it's being, it's just being and, and staying in tune with yourself.
1: Natalie, you're a G. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm definitely going to put all the things we talked about, down in the show notes because I think you've got a really great message and the platforms out there moving this thing forward.